Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. From the 1940s to the 1960s, young pregnant women enter the front door of a clinic in a small North Georgia town. Sometimes their babies exited out the back, sold to northern couples who were desperate to hold a newborn in their arms. But these weren't adoptions. They were transactions with cash and no birth records. It's called human trafficking. Today's guest is one of those babies. They're known as the Hicks babies. She's going to share with us her story. She's also going to share with us how her faith has helped her to get to where she is today. We're going to hear that and so much more. Our guest today is Jean Blasio. She is a Hicks baby sold at birth and passed through the back door of a clinic in North Georgia. She's now working as an investigator, helping to uncover hundreds of babies that were sold to couples from the Hicks clinic for cash. You have an unbelievable story. For most, they'll hear their, your story and go, no way, this could never have happened. But it did. It happened. You are one of hundreds of Hick babies, which you're going to explain to us in a few minutes what that is. Um, for yeah. those who don't know, tell us a little bit about your story and where life started off for you. Okay. Um, in regards to the story and being a Hicks baby, um, I guess it would start at, um, we talk about Dr. Hicks. And so there was a, a doctor in North Georgia in the 40s, 50s, and 60s that was selling babies. And uh, where I came into that was that I was one of those babies. And uh, at the age of five or six, um, my sister, who was also, she was four years older than me, and she was bought from the same clinic, from the same doctor. Um, we were told that we were adopted. And that started a lifelong journey of me trying to find my birth family. And ultimately, um, it came down to uh, basically a quest for truth. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's it's hard to say where the starting point was. Um, you know, I like to tell people that the starting point was when God said, you know, this is your assignment. And that started off because he's always been with me. Um, even before I gave my life to Christ, he was with me um, growing up. And I can remember, um, you know, just having these conversations with him that the seed was planted when I was a child, but the birth was the start of my um, searching. You mentioned you were six when you first heard that you were called black market babies. What was that like at that age? You obviously didn't fully have an understanding or a grip on what, what was happening with you. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, at, at five, six years old, I mean, black market babies, what is that? You know, um, when you're, I, you know, I've said it before, when you're 26 or 36, try explaining black market babies. Um, I can remember because I was so young when I was told um, that, you know, I just was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, and I just kind of went back out the door to the backyard to play. But my sister, Michelle, who was four years older, she knew a little bit. She knew that it was connotative. And whereas it had kind of went right, right over my head um, and she was crying and she was upset and she understood what adoption was. And, you know, it was also new. So it was, um, it wasn't until much later as I started to grasp what that meant. And, you know, sometimes it was, um, it was like, wow, you know, that's, that's not, that's not cool. You know, <laughs> that's not good. Um, but then sometimes it was, it was really cool. 
you know, because here's this mystery. And I always loved mysteries. I always loved being um, investigative, being, you know, trying to uncover things. And most, mostly it was me getting in trouble, but this, it, it sparked, you know, so the word black market and then, you know, coupled with adoption, that's, I think, what sparked everything. Um, it was a curiosity level, and, but it wasn't until it was much later that I'm like, yeah, you know, that uh, is pretty intense <laughs> to be considered black market. When you finally figured it out um, and at the eight, you know, later on in life, what were your thoughts when you figured out what was going on with everything? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, I think with the, the whole story, you know, and, and you take a look at Dr. Hicks himself and um, how he influenced basically my life, my sister's life, just by what he did. Um, you just, it's a back and forth to be honest with you, you know, it was for me because it was like, okay, he did this. Now I've got to unravel this. I have to try to figure out where to go next, trying to find who my birth family was. And so at moments I'd be very frustrated and I'd be very angry at him, disappointed with him. I've never met him, but I still had all of these emotions towards him, but they weren't always negative. You know, there were sometimes where like, I have to get into his mind to try to figure out what he was doing to try to find out, you know, how, how am I going to find my information? I have to know who this person is and how they did things to try to unravel who I am and, and what, you know, how he, how he did it. Where's my information? You know, what trail do I follow? So it was a back and forth, um, honestly, you know, until really just in the last probably 10 years. Um, and then sometimes I think about, you know, what he did and then, Oh my goodness. You know, I will get a call from somebody and they'll tell me what he, you know, Oh, well, I knew him in such and such time period. And he did this to my family member, or he did this. And then I'm like, wow, you know, what, what a horrible person. And then I get another call or I look back on my notes. I look back on the stories and I, and I see the stories where he talks about, he did something really good. And I go, okay, this is, look, he maybe wasn't always dark, <laughs> you know, there's that light and that darkness. Um, how do you balance that? And, and it's basically my whole life. It's been like that. It's basically a roller coaster ride of emotions. Absolutely. Yes. In the midst of all this, I, I want to call it chaos because it is, it's chaos. This is mm-hmm. not a typical story that you hear. You mentioned your faith. What was your faith like in all of this? Where did it start off? Did you grow up in the home that you were in? Was it a Christian home? And then how did this situation impact your faith? So it was not a Christian home. Um, by the way we, we define it today, my father was a self-professing atheist. And my adoptive mother was a woman that didn't feel as if she was good enough to go to church. She had made some missteps in her life. And so she, we didn't go to church. Um, but what happened was when I was very young, we had some neighbors that took pity upon me and took me to the first church of the Nazarene in Akron, Ohio. And um, that's where the seeds were planted. When I hit 21, that was when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, it was just, you know, my whole life, those seeds just started to grow. And then some things happened, you know, my adoptive mom, um, she got cancer uh, when I was 18 and 
that brought a lot of questions, you know, brought a lot of, uh, you know, when you watch someone battling cancer and you, and you see that they're losing it, horribly losing it, um, that brings you know, early onset, what I refer to as early onset grief. And that just really starts the, you know, the questioning and, and, you know, God, why, and, and all of that. And so that brought me to my knees when I was 21 and I gave my life to him and said, come on, do what you want to do. And it went from there. And, um, but I was not in my, in the book, I refer to it as my Elvis Presley Sunday religion, because the closest thing that we got to going to church was on Sundays, we would um, get up early. My mom was, would, would cook. She was a wonderful cook and we'd have this wonderful brunch and, um, but we would be cleaning the house and doing laundry while we were listening to the Elvis Presley hymn album. So that was, that was really (laughs) in my house. That was the, that was the most of it, but the neighbors took me to the first church of the Nazarene. And that's where I had my eyes opened to who God was and, and who Jesus Christ was. Throughout the investigation and looking into everything, how was your faith impacted throughout all of that? Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned roller coaster. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how my faith in my life has been a bit, not because of God, because he's been faithful when I was not. Um, I gave my life to Christ when I was 21. I walked with him um, what I thought was a very strong walk for about 10 years. And then this story, um, you know, it broke in 1997. And that was like a perfect storm. I was having some issues in my marriage. Um, My mother had passed. My doctor mom had passed. And then my doctor father had passed. So by the time I was 30, they were both gone. And then my grandmother, who I was really close to, she passed. And there was just this perfect storm of things that were going on in my life. And uh, it was just too much. And I walked away from everything. And that included God. And I went and I just basically had the mindset that I was going to do what I wanted to do. And for uh, about 14 years, um, I just made an absolute mess out of my life. Now, on the outside, I looked like I had the life. My career was just doing very well, um, and I had it together, and I was traveling all over and everything, but inside, you know, the Holy Spirit just kept saying to me, are you done? Are you done living this life that I didn't choose for you? Come home. And uh, again, I found myself that there were some major issues that came up in my life. Another perfect storm came up, and I found myself... um, in 2014 on my knees again saying, Lord, I want to come home. And it has been, uh, it's been wonderful to be home. So I've had a bit of a roller coaster and it was, my faith was impacted by this search, um, in a lot of different ways. Um, it's very emotional, you know, for any adoptee, whether it's legal or illegal, searching is extremely extremely emotional and it's very hard and, and, and you have to have people to support you and help you to get through it. It's the same way as our faith. You know, you've got to have a community of, of believers and that are strong and that are in his word and that are supporting you. And that was the failure that I had when I fell away from him in, in 98 um, was that I didn't have, I didn't have the support and I didn't have someone that could spiritually mentor me and say, you know what, what are you doing? Let's think about this for a second and let's see what God wants for you and not what you want for you. 
would you say in the end it impacted your faith and made it stronger when all was said and done? Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it made my faith stronger. Um, it, I can look back now and when I first got saved, when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ, um, he gave me the scripture, Psalms 1, 3, and it's the, he shall be like a tree planted next to the rivers of water that in his time and in his season will bring forth fruit. And, you know, that's the, that's someone that's walking with God. And I, I remember thinking at the time, because I was 21 years old and thinking, oh, this is for me. And this is my journey trying to find my birth story. And the Hicks clinic is right next to this river of water. I mean, I just, I tied everything into it. And as I grew spiritually, and as I grew older, and looking back on it at different stages in my life, I can now tell you that that wasn't just for me. That was one of his seeds. That's for everyone that's touched by the Hicks Clinic and what happened there, because he's done such a work in so many different people um, through their birth search, through this whole, uh, this whole, uh, you know, mess that was created the damage that was done in the hicks clinic and i i have seen redemption i have seen people just come out of it and away from it saying i'm okay now i'm all right now because of the work that god has done um right there so like i said before i can't if i cannot emphasize more um when i say when i have not been faithful he has been faithful and he has waited for me. And he has said, I'm going to stand right here. And I want you one day to come into my arms again. And so, yes. Yeah, so when I was, when I was kicked off the path because of all of the turmoil and, and not all of it from the Hicks clinic, but a lot of the emotion did that emotional turmoil from the Hicks clinic in searching, it helped kick me off the path to God a bit, you know, um, walking with him. But he said, come on back. I, I am right here. You mentioned your search, your search for your birth family. Now, in the end, were you able to find your birth family? Aha. My, um, I will, I will chuckle when I say this. My publishers said, be careful what you say, because you want to give them good teasers. Um, but, uh, we're talking about, uh, about the story here. So, um, I did find, I found both my maternal and my paternal line and, uh, I have, um, just great family on both sides have embraced me and it's been really, really good. It's part of that. It's part of that. I'll be faithful to you. Um, when you have people say to you, if we would have known, we would have come and got you. That's really, um, that's, that's so healing. I can't tell you how healing it is to me because I know that God set down my path he said he knit us in the womb. He knew what was coming up. He knew he's known everything that was going to happen to me. And he, and he said, I'll be there with you. But when at the end of it, through all of that turmoil, through all of those ups and downs, through that roller coaster, when he says, look what, look, I brought you through. I gave you some answers, but look, even here's some extra things I want you to know. You were from good people. You are not second best. You are not just trash to be thrown away. You are wonderfully made. And I think that that is, you can't ask for more than that. Even if 
you didn't find birth, even if you're not connecting. Because a lot of the times I've watched this play out over and over, um, birth mothers, birth fathers, you know, for whatever reasons, they don't, they can't connect or they don't connect or they don't want to connect um, or they're passed on. And, you know, you've got people that were, I, 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 I use the term loosely adoption anymore. Um, those that were bought from the Hicks clinic and those that were actually, you know, adopted. Um, they may not be able to connect. It may not be a good connection, but I think when you realize that the connection is, is really when you're searching for your birth family, the connection is with, is with your maker. That's the, that's the connection. And when you come to realize that it, it's, it's all okay, no matter what you find, I think that's the best wisdom. And that's the most um, surety that you can find in life is that as long as you're, you're good, you're still standing at the end of it. And God's standing there with you, that that's, it doesn't get any better than that. And, no matter what you find. And God definitely puts you in the right place because you now are helping all these other people that were part of the Hicks clinic unravel their mysteries as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the best thing in the world. It never gets old. We had um, just last weekend, uh, July 4th, the weekend before I was down in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, um, a Hicks baby was connecting with their birth father for the first time. He wow. just found out he was a Hicks baby eight months ago. And I can tell you, it just doesn't get old. Um, they allowed me, you know, they, they were gracious enough and say, come on, Jane, be a part of this. So I was able there to, you know, to witness when they met and, um, you know, to meet the birth father myself. And it just doesn't get old. It, it is just one of the most, um, gratifying things in the world. So to say that I've helped others, I, I like to turn it around and say, no, really, they've helped me because it is just this affirmation one after the other. Um, you know, the kindred spirits that we're all, we're all, we're all trying to find the same thing basically. And then to see when they do connect. So, you know, people have said, oh, you've done so much work. No, I haven't done any work. God's done every bit of the work. <laughs> and, and I have just been privy to be able to watch when people connect with with themselves and it's and it's so easy you know it just seems like it's so easy because he's made it that way um you know i've i've had um when people talk to me about different things that happened in my life and i've never had a baby um i've never been pregnant so i don't know what it is to go through the birth pangs and to to go all, all through that but my sister had three and I, my best friends and my cousins, and I've been alongside several of them. And, and they, all the say, they all say the same thing. That is that they really don't remember the pain that much after they had the baby. And I feel like God has done that throughout this entire process. Um, he, all of those things that were really hard when I was searching, doors being shut in my face and people, you know, some, some of them being downright mean, being prejudiced, being discriminatory, being all these bad things that, that would, would detour most people. I think God made me numb to that. And I know, I mean, I don't, I don't look back and go, that was so painful. That was so hard. That was work. So it doesn't feel like it's work anymore. So I think I might know a little bit about how that, that birth pain is erased after the child um, uh, arrives because I feel like he's done that through this whole search. 
and actually throughout my whole life, you know, looking for my birth family. That's unbelievable because most people would be holding that grudge uh, to this day. So that's absolutely amazing. Will you ever stop investigating? Will you ever stop um, looking into the Hicks Clinic? <laughs> with my last <laughs> breath, maybe. Uh, with my last breath, because I'm an investigator at heart. I mean, I think everybody is. Um, when you, when there's a mystery, you know, when there there is uh, when someone, well, when there's a mystery, number one, you're not going to. Very few people are going to turn away from that. Not when they, not when they go. Oh, wait a minute, this is more information. But then also, I, I have said it a million times. I don't like anybody to tell me no. So you know, if you tell me no, I can't have something or I can't know something. I'm just going to be like, okay, we'll see how this works, Lord. What are you going to do for me? You know, what do you, what door are you going to open for me? Um, so I don't think that there will ever be a time if someone comes to me and says, I think I was born at the Hicks Clinic, that I'm going to go. Yeah, I don't have time for that. <laughs> There's always going to be the, the thing. Oh my goodness. Okay. What's your birth date? Let's get started. So um, yeah, no, it's just too good. He's given me, God has given me such a gift. Um, and I'm not talking about a gift, like any talents I'm talking about. He has basically given me a box with a bow on it and has said, this is your assignment, you know, have fun with this, learn from this. And of all things, worship me through this because that's, what's going to give you wholeness. That's what's going to, that's really, and, and it's what I had said earlier about the maker. What are we, if we are not lifting him up, what are we, if everything that we do is spliced out to praise him in one way and worship him in one way, but the other stuff is all about us or it's all about things. So he has given me this beautiful gift that he gives to everybody. And that's the gift of forgiveness. And it's wrapped up in a box with a bow with our assignment in it. And um, that's, that's the way I look at it. And that's just, I mean, I just love him so much for it, what he has done and what he has done for me. Um, you know, his, like I said, he was faithful when I was not faithful. You're amazing. You've taken your story. Now you put it in a book. Um, and this is interesting because your story's been out. Uh, it's been on all the main media outsources. You have a docuseries. Why did you choose to now put this into a book? <laughs> well, again, I don't feel like I chose it. Um, I had said back when I was, when I was 21 and got on my knees and said, you know, Lord, help me out here. Within that first year, I was like, because one of the main things on my mind was finding my birth family, you know, Lord guide me. And I remember saying, if I'm not supposed to find my birth family, because the most important thing for me is I don't want to be stumbled from you, Lord. If I'm not supposed to meet them, that's okay. I want, I want what you want, because I know that what I want is always pretty selfish. You know, I want a whole lot of things. And um, uh, so I can, you know, that was the mindset for me very early on was, you know, I, I realized that this was a, you know, that I can make a mess of things. So when, uh, you know, early on at 21 saying, okay, I don't, I don't even have to find my birth family. I'm good with that. You do with it what you want. And, and I don't want to stumble. I don't want something brought into my life to stumble. And then, um, you know, I went away. I do, you know, I work in, my career is actually in federal law enforcement. And so um, for all those years, I was focusing on 
my career. I did the Hicks clinic thing, um, but mostly just kind of quietly when someone would come to me or I do a little bit of research and stuff when I was down there. And then, um, you know, just out of the blue, you know, I get contacted and I'm like, okay, Lord, what you going to do with this? So we did the docu-series and then um, I just kept thinking, you know, I just kept thinking, okay, so that's great. We've got some new Hicks babies and some birth family and stuff like that. Now, what do you want to do? And then this just came out and it's like, you know what? I've never given my witness. I've never given my testimony. Um, the Lord opened the doors and man, sure enough. And it just happened very quickly within, within just a few months, actually. And, um, it never even had, the book didn't even have to be shopped, you know? And then of course, uh, you know, through confirmation through scripture and, and through, um, pastors and stuff like that. And I just went ahead and wrote the book. And so again, just like, just like my search down in McKaysville, he literally opened up and, and I tell this story in the book he literally opened up locked doors and there was one incident that I came through a door um, and, <laughs> and the, um, the shop owners looked at me and they said, how did you get in here? And I said, I just came through this door and they said, no, you didn't. That's been locked for over an hour. Hmm. And I said, no, I just came through this door, you know? And they're like, no, it has been locked. We, there's no way that that door was open. He did the same thing with, both the docu-series and with the book. Um, so he basically, he chose his time and, um, and I've just gone with it and he made the book. People said, Oh my goodness, you know, that's an awful, that's a big lift to write a book. And I'm going to tell you it was not because again, he just, he numbs me to those things that are hard when, um, when he knows what I can and can't take. And he guided me through this book. And, um, so, (sighs) You know, it's, I just, I just, I felt that it was time and those doors opened and uh, I wanted to share, I wanted people to know, look, even when it seems like there's absolutely nothing that can be done, um, especially, I mean, that that's for, that's for everybody. When something, can, you don't think something can be done, there is hope for those that follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's never a time that there isn't, there's never a time that there isn't hope and he will take care of it. You just have to wait on him and let him do it in his time because his time is perfect. And that's basically what this book is, is about. Um, this book is about him bringing things to fruition. And if it wasn't for him handling it, I would have completely messed it up. And, um, so it's always easy. You know, it's always easy. Forgiveness is always easy. You've, you've said a few times that I'm amazing. I can tell you I'm not amazing. Um, I can tell you that his forgiveness, even when I've hated people and said, I can't stand them and they're, they're irritating or they've done these horrible things to me and, and things like that. And he says to me, you know, he says to me, you got to forgive them. And I'm like, I can't forgive them. And he says, yes, you can just hold on a second. And then, man, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's happened to me several times, big times that I was really struggling with forgiveness. And it's just all of a sudden, I realize I don't, I don't have a problem with these people anymore. And, and it happened even with, even with my adoptive parents. Um, you know, I had a major problem with them for several years. It was part of the reason why I walked away from God first. And, you know, when I was um, 32, 
I had, I had some major, I was so angry with them. I hated them. Um, and in the book, I go into detail about that. I couldn't forgive them. And I said to him, I can't forgive them. What are you going to do? I, I, I need help here. And within, there was an event that happened in my life. And within um, a week of that happening, all of a sudden, I can't hate them anymore. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, it was just this peace. And this, I can't even describe it. It's like that gift. It's like that box with a bow on it. He just gave that to me. He said, I know you had a hard time with it, but I'm the one that forgives. Ultimately, I'm the one. And if you just let me take care of it, I'll even show you how to forgive and you won't have to do a thing. And that's what he did for me several times. And that's what I rely on. I cannot wait to get my hands on the book and have the opportunity to read the whole book in its entirety for those who also are looking forward to reading this book or learning more about you. How can they go about doing that? Ah, wow. Um, so the book and the audio book um, is going to be, it's on Amazon's pre-order right now up until um, it releases July 13th. You can get it at Baker Publishing at their site. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can go on Target, Walmart. Basically all of the outlets have it. And um, my goodness, I, I hope that, um, I hope that your readers, um, your listeners, sorry, that your listeners will pray for me. And that they pray that that book will bring out opportunities that the gospel be given and be accepted and that it do God's work. Um, So that's what I'm asking from you. If you could help me out with that, it really is the prayers. Um, But you can get the book um, and uh, I hope everyone loves it. You know, I absolutely hope everyone loves it. I'm sure they will. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.